0: All right, church. Good morning, Billy. I look up to you so much that I have a story about you. Be careful. Be careful. I'm going way back. You didn't, you didn't even know about this story. I'm not. I'm, uh, church. Good morning. I pray that you got your Bible with you this morning. Hopefully, you got your sermon outline. Go ahead and get that out as we're going to just jump right in. To the Word of God this morning, you can see the title of the sermon. It's coming up somewhere. Caden, you back there? Owen's back there. Are we having some technical difficulties this morning? It only happens on Sunday mornings, amen? But you can see, if you, if you open up your sermon outline this morning, you, oh, there it is. I should have known. You can see the title of the sermon this morning is, I will set the what? I will set the example. Hopefully you got your Bible with you. Open it up to 1st Timothy chapter 4. Going to look at verses 12 through 16 this morning. 1st Timothy chapter 4 verses 12 through 16. Now like many children, little Billy did not like to study. And he would rather go outside and play baseball after school than do his homework. And so unfortunately that means his grades suffered. He actually failed math. And his parents tried everything they could to get little Billy to do better in math, but he continued to fail time and time again. So they got him a fun computer game that was supposed to, you know, learn math and make it fun. So they hired someone to tutor him as well, but nothing seemed to work. They didn't know what to do. So finally, one of their friends suggested that they try putting him in a private school. And they thought about it for a few days, and then they decided to give it Ago. So they took little Billy across town, and he enrolled at a small Catholic school, and they were shocked that afternoon when Billy came home, and he went straight to his room. He closed the door, and he immediately started working on his math homework. His mother had to almost force him to come down for dinner, and then after supper, he went right back up to his room, and he even studied some more. Well, several weeks later, he brought his report card home, and he laid it on the kitchen table. For his parents to see, and when his mother read it, she was amazed to see that Billy got an A in math. So she asked him, she wanted to know what made such a dramatic difference in his grade, and she asked him, he said, look, was it, is it the teachers? Is it the kind of books that they were using? But he just shook his head, and he said, no. So she looked at him in the eye, and she said, well, would you please tell me why your math grade has improved so drastically. And he said, Mom, he said, the first day I walked into math class, I looked up at the wall, I saw a man nailed to a huge plus sign, and I realized they were serious about math and that I was going to have to quit fooling around. (sighs) Some of y'all will get that. After church is over. You know when we're young or when we're younger, you know many times we feel it's okay to fool around, amen. We we feel like it's okay to goof off, that we can be silly, that we can act immature and, and it's okay because we have a legitimate excuse. We're we're what? We're we're, we're young. And I'm a firm believer that children and teenagers should be able to laugh. They should be able to act goofy and have fun because laughter and joy, that's a huge part of life, amen? And we're only a child, we're only a teenager for a small amount of time. But there also comes a time that maybe, just maybe, we need a little extra motivation in our lives to make sure that we're staying on the right what? That we're staying on the right path. And I think sometimes our, our young people, whether we're talking about our teenagers or where we're talking about young uh, adults, they don't realize how huge of an impact that they have, not just on their own age group, but on even more mature age groups as well. And the Apostle Paul, he challenged Timothy in this scripture that we're going to read this morning to set an example for those who believed. And I believe Christ continues to expect the same thing from us today. So how can we live a life that sets the example for other Christians and for other people to follow? Well, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verses 12 through 16, and then we'll pray. It said, "'Let no one look down on your youthfulness, "'but rather in speech, in conduct, in love, faith, and purity.'" Show yourself an example to those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. And look what he says right here in verse 16. Pay close attention to who? To yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who what? Who hear you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for the beautiful day, God, that you've made. Lord, uh, we we look outside. And and I don't know how anybody can, can take a gander and not know that there's a God. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for our church family. Lord, we thank you for being able to come in here this morning and have small groups and be able to talk to each other and pray with each other and learn your word together. Father, we're thankful for Brother Billy and his family, Miss Kim, who couldn't be here because she's been under the weather. Lord, be with her and strengthen and heal her. But Father, we're so thankful for the music, Lord, that has stirred our souls this morning and prepared us to hear your word. Father, we're thankful for Austin and Brooklyn, Lord, and all they do with our children and all they do with their youth, Lord, they're, they're learning now. And God, we thank you so much that we have people, Lord, that are willing to pour in to our children and to our youth. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, for those that are here, those that are listening at home, Father, you would draw us closer to you today. Lord, there's going to be some things we hear this morning, Lord, that's going to challenge us. Maybe we're going to even be convicted. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that whatever you impress upon our hearts, dear God, Lord, let us know that we are setting an example, Lord, for other people to see and others to follow. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. I want to ask you a quick personal question really before we we dive into this this morning, just to kind of get your mind and and your brain intact. Now, I know lunchtime is coming up, okay? And so for some of us, our stomachs are growling, right? And we're thinking, well, what are we, we going to do this afternoon? Football's coming on here in an hour and a half, and it's going to be on for the next 24 hours. And so our hearts and our minds can be in a lot of different places, even though we are sitting in a what? In a pew. I want to ask you a question this morning. And I want you to be serious about this question. I want you to ask yourself, How many of you realize that your speech, that your actions, your devotion to God, and the example that you set in Christ has eternal consequences? Do you understand that? Do you know what that means? And I'm talking to every single person in this room right now. Whether if you are a child, whether if you are a teenager, whether if you are 19, 20, 21, 22, if you're 32, if you're 46, 56, 76, 86, 96, whatever your age is, this applies to every single one of us. In our scripture this morning, we we see the Apostle Paul and he is encouraging his younger brother in Christ to not let his youth be a distraction but to let his youth be an example. And when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, Timothy was probably around the age of 30. And the Jewish custom, a man is considered a young man until his 40th year. So according to Jewish custom, I'm not considered a young man at the age of 46, but I know there are maybe several here today. Maybe you fall into that category, or maybe you're listening at home. So what type of encouragement did the Apostle Paul, Timothy's brother in Christ, give him to help set the example for others in Christ? And this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Make sure we get this, write this down as we learn this morning. The first words of encouragement that Paul gives Timothy is this. He said, set a Christian example even though you are young. Even though you're young. Now, Paul knew that young age could be an obstacle for younger preachers as well as other christians therefore he tells timothy he says look let no one look down on you because of your youthfulness and there is no denying that young age can sometimes be this huge deterrent when it comes to sharing the gospel many young people they don't feel equipped They don't feel respected by older individuals. They view themselves as less worthy to be able to share the gospel. And many young people are scared of what others will think of them when they stand up or when they boast about Jesus Christ. But I want to add my take to this. This scripture doesn't just apply to young people under a certain age. But it applies to all Christianity. No matter one's age. And so Paul tells Timothy, he says, I want you to set an example. And these are in your outline. I want you to set an example. The first one of this is your asterisk. I want you to set an example in your speech. I want you to set an example in your speech. Now your translation may say word or it may say conversation. But Paul is saying that Timothy needs to be careful what comes from his Logos. His logos in Greek. Words coming out of his what? Words coming out of his mouth, no matter if it was doctrine, no matter if it was teaching, no matter if it was instruction, etc. Now listen, I I don't think Timothy had a problem with spitting out words that were destructive or that were filthy. But Paul wanted to remind him that even in his speech, he was a leader. You know, someone once said these words, words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. And you know what's funny? All throughout this life, we learn these lessons. You know, when I was younger, I thought it was cool to use four-letter words. I thought it was liberating. I rode the school bus from the time I was in fourth grade through the time I was in 10th grade. And so, whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes on the school bus you learn foreign languages. And I had learned several probably by the time that I got to high school. But I really had no idea how it made me look. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29, it says this. It says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that's good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. So let me ask everybody this morning. You ready? I wonder how many of us have a problem with our speech. You know... Over the last four, five, six years, we have seen a lot of things on our televisions. We have seen a lot of things in our news, headlines, internet articles, etc., of leaders down, degrading each other, people talking bad about each other. I mean, just stuff that I didn't see when I was growing up. And I'm going to tell you something, that's, that's boiling over into our society, of people just looking at people and talking to them like they're dogs, talking to them like they're trash, talking to them like they're not made in the image of God. And Christians, if we're not careful, we're going to fall right into that as well. Well, Brother Donnie, I was justified. They had it coming the way that I spoke to them. Listen, I get it. I get sometimes we become angry. I get sometimes we become frustrated. Listen, I'm right there with you. I'm human even though I'm I'm a pastor. I get it. But the one thing that I always try to remind myself, and I've told my church family this time and time again, I tell my children this time and time again, I tell them whether they're 11 years old, 18 years old, or my 22-year-old that's at college right now, I'm like, listen, we cannot help how someone speaks to us. But we can helpfully control how we speak to what? To them. Whether people are downgrading us, calling us names, talking bad about us, whatever it is. These are things that we experience in life. But the question is, what does Jesus expect from us? Jesus expects from us to watch our what? to watch our speech and Paul didn't just stop with speech the next one is this he said I want you to be an example in your conduct I want you to be an example in your conduct what are we talking about here we're talking about one's behavior it's your behavior now many people they live with with this model well listen you know I really don't care what people think of my behavior but should we should we care? See, our conduct and the way that we behave, it reveals who we are in Jesus Christ. When I was little, now my kids have not got to enjoy this like I did. Madden don't even watch cartoons. Caden watched some, Noah watched more. I grew up in the cartoon era. Amen. I got up on Saturday mornings and brother, I had a bowl of cereal, and by 6 30 it was on. I had been waiting all week for those new episodes of Transformers, G.I. Joe's, He-Man. I was there, prime time, ready to watch. Anybody watch Tom and Jerry? I love Tom and Jerry. There's Tom and Jerry fan right over here, amen? You all know the little cat and the mouse, they all lived in the same house and they got along just cheerfully, right? And I can remember the cartoons where Tom, he would, he would have the devil sitting on this shoulder and he would have the angel sitting on this shoulder and they would be telling Tom what to do or telling Tom what not to do. You know what I think? I think sometimes we feel that same way. I, I think the Holy Spirit's telling us to watch what we do, watch what we say, watch how we act. But then the world says, it's okay. You're not perfect. Have fun. Live life. It really doesn't matter what people think. But do our actions matter to Christ? Do they matter to the one that's most important? And then Paul also told Timothy, I want you to be an example in your love. Speech, conduct love i want you to be an example in your love now the king james says charity but the meaning of the word as a whole reveals our goodwill toward men it's our brotherly it's our brotherly love first john first tw- or 420 the bible says this for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen he cannot love god can't love god when we don't love people the bible says then we can't love who then we can't love god and we don't love people for what they have. We don't love people for what they don't have. We love because God first loved who? Because God first loved us. And the Bible says that we are made in his image. In my 14 and a half years of ministry, I have done somewhere between 40 and 50 funerals. Between 40 and 50. I was doing funerals for this church family before I ever got hired. Amen. They're like, we heard you were so good at funerals. Pastor, we want you to come on now. I've done between 40 and 50 of these in my 14 and a half years. And let me tell you this, church. Are you all ready for this? Let this sink in when you hear these words. Are you ready? You will be remembered how you loved or how you didn't in this life. You will be remembered. Remembered. When that day comes and God calls you home and we had that visitation and we had that time and, and, and here it all comes at once, I can tell you right now, you will be remembered how you loved people or how you didn't. Paul also encouraged Timothy to be an example in his faith. And his faith. Now, this is referring to your Christian values and your conviction of truth. Isaiah the prophet said this in Isaiah 7, verse 9. He said, If you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Church, how are you standing? And have you ever noticed that when we're young or we're immature in our faith, we're more willing to have a faith that bends according to whom we're around? Have y'all ever noticed that? It's called peer pressure, right? And then sometimes we let our faith fall completely over if we feel that we're going to benefit in some form or some fashion. You ever been guilty of this? You ever been guilty of this? Like, look, I know you all are doing something and and, and I, 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 we shouldn't be doing it, but I feel the pressure to do it. I want to fit in. I know it's cool. And so I'm going to do it just to go along with all of you all because I, I want to fit in. Now, I'm a Christian and God tells me that I know I should not be partaking in this activity, but I'm going to lay my Christianity to the side just for a little while because I want you all to love me. I want to fit in. I want to be cool. I want to be the one that you call and invite places to do stuff i don't want to be that oddball of the group that oh, he's a christian freak you know he he, he's not going to lay his christianity aside and so we laid our faith aside because we feel like we're going to receive something that's going to help our lives and then as we get older and mature we realize most of that didn't help us at all matter of fact it hindered us amen We put ourselves in situations that harmed us, maybe for a month, maybe for a year, maybe for a decade, maybe for the rest of our life because we were willing to place our faith aside just to fit in, just to be cool, just to do something that we thought was going to make us popular or somehow it was going to give us something in our life. And then we realize it never really did anything at all. Timothy also said, I want you to be an example in your purity. Your purity. Now, the translation of the word purity, it means exclusion of sin. Now, there's no saying that goes like this. Before I was a Christian, I ran to sin, but after Jesus saved my life, I now run what? I run away from it. Now, the golden question is, this is what all of us have tried to figure out in our whole lives, isn't it? What is sin? What is it, pastor? What is sin? Well, I'm going to give you just a short definition. Sin is an active rebellion against God's will, against God's word, against God's values, and God's moral principles for our lives. That's what sin is. Billy Graham once said, a sin is any thought or action that falls short of God's will. Anybody sin this morning? Don't raise your hands all at one time, Lord. Right? Anybody already sinned this morning? Things that go against God's will? Act of rebellion against God's will, His word, His values, the principles for our lives? Are we having issues with these things? And how many times have you been influenced to put your Christianity or your purity aside to fit in, to be popular, to be the life of the party because we didn't want others excluding us from the fun? These are the things that we do. But he says, I want you to remain pure. And Paul wasn't finished encouraging Timothy. See, it was important to Paul and to Timothy's testimony that he should and that we should. Number two, this is Junior your outline, set a Christian example by devoting yourself to Scripture. Ah, Rodney, you didn't know us. let to talk about it, did you, brother? If you, if you missed Sunday school this morning in Rodney's class, uh, this is the very thing that we talked about per se. The early church, they followed an example of the Jewish synagogue in publicly reading the scriptures at every single service. And Paul was basically giving Timothy the instruction of a preacher's responsibility of reading the scripture publicly, exhorting the congregation or urging them to obey God's word, and of course instructing the congregation in terms of Christian living. Now, a lot of pastors, they tell more stories than they talk about the word of God. A lot of pastors are more uh, uh, concerned about entertaining you than talking about the Word of God. But I'm here to tell you what the Word of God says. That's my job, and I'm held responsible for this. And when I die, I will be judged on how I taught you all the Word of God and the truth of God. We need to be in the Scripture. It doesn't need to be an option for you. It needs to be a daily commitment, amen? This is who we need to be. And some of you may be thinking, Brother Donnie, look, I'm not a pastor, but let me ask you, isn't this what we all should be doing? Every single one of us, if we are a Christian, reading our Bible, encouraging people to obey the Word of God, setting an example by living our lives with a Christian lifestyle, and I understand that some scripture can be challenging to read. I get it. I understand that. But I want you all to understand there's daily devotionals for men. There's daily devotionals for women, children, youth, and all ages. There are Bible apps that you can set up to do reading plans regarding topics such as love, anxiety, healing, anger, depression, hope, peace, love, and enjoy. And as much time as we stay on our phones, surely we can find a way to stay devoted to the Word of God. Surely we can do this. And when you stay devoted to Scripture, you will know where to turn in certain times of your life to find encouragement, strength, advice, wisdom, and the ability to help others in their time of need. And if you're not devoted to Scripture, listen, don't leave here today without picking up a daily devotional that's out here in the foyer or talking to me after service. Because this, this is your lifeline. Amen. God gave us this to direct our paths. For us to know right from wrong. For us to know who we are supposed to be. And then Paul continues encouragement in verse 14. In this verse, we see Paul reminding Timothy, number three in your outline, set a Christian example by not neglecting your spiritual gift. Church, I hope this tickles your toes this morning. I hope and pray this tickles your toes this morning because the churches were having a more and more difficult time with this. Paul reminds Timothy that his gift was given to him when the elders of the church, Presbyterian, however you want to say it, laid hands upon him. Well, Romans 12, 6, the Bible tells us we have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. What was Timothy's gift? He was preaching the word. What's your gift? Not all at once. See, if you receive Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you have at least one what? You have at least one spiritual gift. Now, maybe some of you in here this morning, you're still searching for your gift. Romans 12 describes some of these gifts. It says preaching, teaching, serving, encouraging, contributing to the needs of others, giving, leadership, and even showing mercy. These are just a few. And maybe the Spirit's already revealed this gift to you and you're just a little bit reluctant to use it. But let me ask you this. What good is a gift to have if you don't open it up? What good is a gift if you don't use it? First Peter, the Bible tells us, 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. So whether you are young, middle-aged, older, let me ask you, are you using your spiritual gift to serve Christ by serving others? And I get it. When, 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 when you're young, you're trying to figure out, look, I'm, I'm trying to still think this out, Brother Donnie, and figure out what my spiritual gift may be. But the question I ask a lot of people when they tell me that is this. But are you searching, really? Are you searching? Serving? Helping? Leadership? Mercy? Encouraging? Singing? Teaching? You have a gift. Find it and what? Use it. Use it. Quit letting it sit on the shelf, amen, because we don't know how long these days can be, do we? Do any of you all know that you're going to live till you're 90 years old? Does anybody know when they're going to leave this earth? We have no idea. And so you are only here for a short time, and the Bible says your gift wasn't given for you. Your gift was given for your church what? Your church family. And then I hear this excuse. Well, Brother Donnie, I know what my gift is, but I'm just burnt out. You still go to work every day? Are you burnt out there? Still go to McDonald's every day? I'm burnt out there, amen. <laughs> Lord, my, I'm Teresa, forgive me. Right? We do all of these other things when we say that we're tired of them or we're burnt out from them. But then Jesus comes along and says, listen, I gave you a gift, and I want you to use it. Well, I'm burnt out, Jesus. Is that a good excuse? And listen, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm tickle some of y'all's toes. I'm, I'm, Lord, forgive me. And don't get mad at me. If you do, I'm not going to apologize. Some of you all in here just come in here every Sunday and you just sit. You're not using your gifts. And you think to yourself that sitting in that pew is your gift to God. You can sit at home and do that and watch me on TV. Watch it on YouTube, listen to it, whatever you want to do. Who ever told you that you don't have to use your spiritual gift? Did y'all have a preacher before me that said that? Because I know it wasn't Erty Jr. Was there someone before this to set the stage in a negative tone? Because every pastor that I have been under throughout my whole life has preached this word in this text that says, use the gift that God what? That God gave you. I'm just asking you. What is your gift? Are you searching for it truly? And if you know what the gift is, are you using it for your brothers and your sisters in Christ, for God's glory? Are you using this gift? And if you don't know what your gift is, listen, I've got it taken care of. I've got a spiritual gift survey in my office by Lifeway that I can give you that will help give you some direction. So if you don't know what your gift is, see me after service, and I'm going to help you help you find what this is. And Paul wasn't just worried about Timothy, but Paul was also worried about others. So Paul encourages Timothy number four. He said, "I want you to set a Christian example so others can see your progress. I want people to see your progress." Paul wanted the people that Timothy had been placed around to see his growth and his faithfulness. He wanted Timothy to be diligent and to give himself wholly to his calling and to his relationship with Jesus so everyone could see his progress. And you know, our Christian life, church, listen to me this morning. Our Christian life, it's not measured by a ruler. It's not measured by a tape measure. But God is watching he is watching to see if we are growing spiritually or if we have just become a stick that's stuck in the mud. And some of you may think that your Christianity is just something between you and God. But church, listen to me. It's much more. Your Christian service, and the way that you hold yourself, the way that you act, the way that you behave, it's being viewed by every single person that is around you. And I know there's going to be times that you fail. I have failed. I fail. And I know that people will remember the bad more than they remember the good. But if you're in Christ, then you should care how you act, and you should care if you're growing in Christ Jesus. Are you maturing in your Christianity? Are you maturing in your faith? Can people see it? Are they experiencing it? And then last but not least, and I love how Paul closes these verses of encouragement. Paul says to Timothy number five, he said, I want you to set a Christian example because it not only saves your life, but it saves others. It saves others. The first thing that every Christian must watch over is his or her own life. I know Christians that like to throw stones. Do y'all know any? I'm just being completely honest here. They like to look at everybody else's life and throw stones. But yet, within their own life, there's some things they need to take care of themselves. I'm not saying that we shouldn't encourage people. I'm not saying we shouldn't hold people accountable. But the first thing every Christian needs to watch over is his or her own what? It's your life. Paul knew that Timothy needed to keep close watch over his life. If he was going to be an effective preacher and an effective teacher of God's word. And the awesome part of this is that Paul tells Timothy, if you keep on keeping on, if you persevere in your walk and your calling, not only are you ensuring salvation for your own life, but you're ensuring salvation for other people as well. And you know, sometimes missions, ministries, pastors fail because while we keep an eye over others we sometimes forget to keep an eye on who ourselves this is why all of us need accountability partners and this is why i know there's no doubt in my life that the lord sent me my wife because my wife will look at me and say hey Better think about that. You better pray about that. How about we talk about that before you do it? Sometimes our spouses can be blessings. Amen. Let's don't say sometimes. Let's say all the time. Right but I know that's why God sent me my wife. You know, John MacArthur once said, he said, perseverance is believing the truth always accompanies genuine conversion. So staying committed to Jesus and his church, it makes a dramatic difference, not only in our lives, but it makes a huge difference in other lives as well. And I want you all to hear this story in his autobiography. I know y'all like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, he tells the story of his older brother named Jack, who was only 14 when he died. Jack, he worked at the high school agriculture shop where he had a job cutting oak trees into fence posts. And the money that he earned, it helped support their family, which was struggling to survive by working in the cotton fields of rural Arkansas. A terrible accident one day occurred. A, ta- a table saw severely cut Jack and resulted in his death just a few days later. And sometimes, be- sometime before his death, Jack had announced to his family and the community that he intended to be a preacher. And everyone agreed that he would make a fine preacher because he was, had a strong Christian character and he was well-known. Johnny Cash, he looked up to his older brother and he wrote, he said, Jack isn't really gone anyway, any more than any of us. For one thing, his influence on me is profound. When we were kids, he tried to turn me from the way of death to the way of life to steer me toward the light. And, and since he died, his words and example have been like signposts for me. The most important question in many of the conundrums and crises of my life has been, which is Jack's way? Which direction would he have taken? I haven't always gone that way, of course, but at least I've known where it was. Church, I want to ask you this morning. Do you realize how big an impact your Christian life is having on these people around you right now? Do you get it? It has an impact at home, it has an impacted school, it has an impact at church, at play, whatever you're doing. Do you realize by keeping the faith that you are steering other people toward Jesus? And do we realize that placing our faith to the side can steer people away from Jesus? At this very moment in your life, and this goes out to every single one of us, whether we're young, middle-aged, older, right now at this very moment in your life, are you setting the Christian example that Jesus desires for your life? Are you that person? You know, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, the Bible says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Church, can I tell you something this morning? There are enough people walking down the broad road that leads to destruction. There's enough. Maybe this morning you'd like to come and pray and rededicate your life back to Jesus. Maybe you'd like to come and ask God to help you be a better example for yourself and for your family, for your friends, for your coworkers. Maybe this morning the Spirit is convicting you to just come and pray and tell Jesus, I will set the example. There's not a lot of guarantees in this life, but I can guarantee you this. When you die, you will be remembered by the example that you set. How do you want to be remembered? You're going to be remembered by people. God's watching over us every single day to see how we're acting, behaving, who we are. Maybe this morning you've never been saved and you want to ask Jesus to come into your life because it's time to let go and it's time to let Christ lead. Or maybe this morning, you just need to come and pray and be honest with yourself and say, Father, Lord, man, I have not been setting the example that I need to set for my family, for my coworkers, for my church family. I just have not been that person that I need to be. And so this morning, as we get ready to sing, we have this time of invitation. Brother Billy, I want you to come on. You already know this morning if God's knocking on your heart. You already know this morning if you've been convicted, if you have been challenged on whatever aspects. Maybe you're one of those this morning. You have just not been using the gifts that God gave you. And it's like, okay, it's time to get off my duff. And it's time to get to work. Amen. So whatever the need is, I want us to stand. This is your invitation this morning. Will you come?